Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dice and Dachshunds. Yet again, it's been a long hiatus since our last episode, but today we have an interesting question-based episode. Our friend Jeff has asked us to cover games that we think would be good to play while drinking. But first, let's introduce my co-hosts. I'm Diana, and on my lap we have Mikey. And over on the couch, but uh, listening intently, I'm sure, is Buddy. It's always hard to tell. I think he might be asleep. (laughs) (laughs) I can't see him from here. Yeah, definitely asleep. But his contribution is is significant nonetheless. Absolutely. Without him, it would be Dyson Dachshund, for starters. Indeed. So... Now that we're being silly, shall we start off with what games we think would be fun to play while drinking? Okay. Well, we thought about this, and basically most of our games are not suitable, because most of our games are really thinky, and playing them while you're drinking would be boring and hard. So the two categories of games that would be more fun to play while drinking, that we don't have a huge number of, are dexterity games and party games. I should also mention, in the interest of full disclosure, that for medical reasons, I've never been drunk. So we're going off of Diana's experience and my Which is sense... still felt fairly limited, let me, uh, let me explain here. Yeah. And uh, my sense of what it might be like to attempt to play games while drinking. Well, in any case, we have three dexterity games that don't also have big thinky components that we thought theoretically might be fun to play while drinking. Junk art, pitch car, and push it. So we talked about junk art in more detail in episode 9 last September, but it's, for those who don't want to go back and listen to that one, it's a game with a whole bunch of pieces. There are several sets of pieces where you have the same piece in multiple colors. And then there are a bunch of cards, each one with a picture of a piece in a color. So each card just corresponds to one piece in the game. And then there's a series of scenarios in which you have to use those pieces in different ways. In some of them, you're only building one structure. In others, you're building your own structure. Some of them, if it falls down, that's the end. In others, you start right back up. There are speed ones. We have actually only ever played the intro scenarios because we keep playing it with people for whom it's their first game. But at least several of the scenarios are not very complicated. And the fun of trying to balance things when your uh, hand-eye coordination is not at its best is always something that drunk people find hilarious. And finding things hilarious is one of the points of drinking. If you're a competitive person, some of the scenarios have fun ways to select the next piece your opponents are going to be forced to place on their sculptures or place a piece in a way that your opponent is then going to have to follow on top of that is particularly difficult. So there's lots of potential for messing with each other in a fun way. So the second game that we thought of is Pitch Car, which is a very simple game. You have a track and a set of cars, which are little discs, sort of rounded discs with rounded edges, and you flick them around the track, and 
you take turns flicking, and the first person to successfully flick their car around three laps around the track, I think, but you can change it as you like, of course, is the winner. So there's there's not any sort of complicated scorekeeping. You just kind of have to remember how many times you've been around the track. And it's surprisingly difficult, even while sober, not to flick it. That's easy. But to correctly judge whether you're going to accidentally knock it out, in which case you make no progress, or if your flick will carefully billiard off of a corner of the track and go extra far. So it strikes me as the sort of thing that, again, people with diminished hand-eye coordination might have fun doing badly. Yeah, everybody seems to really enjoy pitch car once you set it up, and it's really durably made, too. The track is made out of wood and has these thick plastic rails that you can if you're good, skim the cars along smoothly and shoot them around corners really, really nicely. Another rule that the game typically has is that if you knock your opponent's car off of the track, even if you don't go off yourself, that is considered a foul, and both cars are returned to their original places that round. But of course, you could change that rule if you wanted to get more aggressive. You keep thinking that drunk people are aggressive. I don't know where this comes from. Uh... Anyway, the third one is Push It, which is the only one of these I haven't personally played, so why don't you take it away? I love Push It. Push It is a really brilliant, simple, elegant design. It's a British game, apparently, but it's a little linen bag with one thinner piece, kind of referred to as the jack, and sets of two thick discs in four different colors. And the, the way these discs are weighted and painted gives them tremendous sliding potential, but just the right amount of grip on the table as well. And what Push It is is basically a tabletop version of bocce ball, or uh, another way people think of it is crokinole without the board. You set the jack out onto the table and take turns flicking or pushing your discs to try to get as close as possible to the jack. You can knock other people's discs out of alignment, and if you're the person with your disc closest to the jack when everybody's shot their two discs, you get a point for that round. If you happen to have the first and the second most close discs, you get two points for that round. At that point, you reset all the discs and somebody else puts the jack on the table, you play again until somebody reaches a predetermined goal number of points. That's really all there is to it, but you can play it on a huge variety of surfaces, smooth tables, felt. Apparently they've tested it on pizza boxes. It's a small package that's a lot of fun. I've played this actually with people who were tipsy, and it's easy to take anywhere. You can totally take it to a booth and a restaurant or a bar or that sort of thing. It would work just fine. It's a really, really great game. Simple, but perfectly designed. And all of these could be turned into drinking games with only a little bit of ingenuity. Okay. <laughs> but I think about playing games and drinking, I think drinking games. Your tower falls down, take a drink. Your, uh... Push it disc is furthest away from the jack? Drink! You knock somebody else's car out in pitch car? Drink! It seems like a logical, uh, logical following. 
the other category of games we were thinking of are party games. We don't have very many of these. I but... don't party. <laughs> In any case, uh, it sounds like we have no friends. We have friends. I promise. Most of our listeners on this podcast. Hi, friends. <laughs> anyway, the other category was party games. And we, as I said, do not have very many but we thought that Spyfall might work well in this context. Not obviously with people who are extraordinarily drunk necessarily, but while drinking, I have not personally played Spyfall, but it's not very complicated. Sure, okay. we've actually talked about it on a previous episode as well. Spyfall is a small box that's easy to carry around, and in fact you could take the components out of the box and put them in an even smaller container if you wanted. Basically, it's a whole bunch of tiny decks of cards. Each one is filled with cards that depict the same location, but different roles within that location. So for example, one deck, all the cards could tell you that you're on a submarine, and one person could be the captain, and one person could be the janitor, and one person could be the medic, I don't know, one person could be a shark. And uh, <laughs> within each of those decks of cards is one card that simply says spy. So playing the game is exceedingly simple. You pick a deck at random without knowing which deck it is, and you deal out one card face down to every person who's playing. At that point, everybody looks at their cards. Everybody at the table except one will know where you are, and everybody at the table will have their own role that they are playing at that location. The location could be a school, it could be a space station, it could be a submarine, it could be a garden party, it could be a concert. There are a huge variety of options. It could be a hospital, it could be a bus. Everybody knows where you are except for the one poor sap who drew the spy card. At that point, somebody's elected to go first, and that person picks somebody else in the group to ask a question. So they ask the question, and then that person has to answer the question. Once they've answered the question, they can ask somebody else. It can't be the person who just asked them a question. Another question, and so on. And what you're trying to do is figure out who doesn't know where the heck you are. If the group figures out who the spy is, they win. If the spy figures out the location that the group is actually in first, they win. So the tricky thing is asking questions that don't give the spy too much information about where they are, but gives the person who's answering the question an opportunity to prove to the group in a not obvious way that they're not the spy by demonstrating that they're in on this shared knowledge of the location. So if you ask, somebody, if they could open a window, and they say, sure, but you're on a submarine, they're probably the spy. If they say they don't want to get wet, then you think they're probably not the spy, but the spy may have gleaned some very important information about where you might be. So choosing your questions and choosing your answers is very tricky in this game, and because of the structure of the game, the best answers can appear evasive to people that are on your team. People will often need to take a little bit of extra time to come up with an appropriate answer that doesn't give too much away, 
So everybody's acting kind of shifty. And we thought that that would be a fun thing for drunk people to do. Probably badly, but possibly hilariously. I don't party. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Well, thanks very much for listening. Uh, We're going to keep this a short kind of single topic episode, but we're going to record another more traditional episode soon. So we promise stay tuned. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, we'd love it if you gave us a review on iTunes or Podbean or Board Game Geek or anywhere you found this podcast. Review us on your refrigerator door. I don't care. Just please tell somebody about us so that they'll listen. I've also started a new YouTube channel called Never Enough Games, which seemed like the appropriate thing for somebody who's now over 200 board games. So come check it out. I'll be talking about board games, but also video games and computer games. So there'll be all sorts of different videos going up there. Right now I have a computer game review for a game called Song of the Deep and a how-to-play video for Safranito, a dexterity game that we described in a previous episode. Thanks for listening. Have a good night, or day, or whatever time it is for you.